You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is Grand Design Podcast with DJ and Jerry Grand, where we link the chains of reason of sports, politics, and culture. Welcome to episode 17 of the Grand Designs Podcast. I'm DJ Grand, and I'm here with my brother as usual. Hello. Jerry, and also hopefully for for the whole time, Ryan, this week. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Uh, just to let you know how to get a hold of us or where to find us, you can you can listen to us on iTunes, Facebook, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, now on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and go to Patreon, and if you want to become a patron, that'd be great. We'd appreciate anything you can give us, and of course, on PodcastDetroit.com. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about professional sports conspiracy theories. And the first one we're going to talk about is the NFL in the 1983 draft. Just to give a real brief uh, update or to bring everyone up to date at the 83 draft, it was the greatest NFL quarterback draft up until this current time. And this is going to talk about Dan Marino and John Elway. Mostly Elway, who called his shot like Eli did, that he was not, he was the number one pick overall consensus. And the Indianapolis Colts, or at the time, Baltimore Colts, had that pick, and Elway made it clear he was not going to go to the uh, Baltimore Colts. So the NFL did their deeds to keep make sure Elway would have to go to the Colts. Elway actually brought in a bid that he was going to play for the Yankees because he made it clear he wasn't playing for Baltimore, and he thought that they're going to hold their guns, they're going to draft him anyways, which Baltimore did, and he was going to the Yankees. Now, Elway and Dan Marino had the same agent, Marvin Demoff, and he kept some very, very detailed notes. And these notes that I'm reading from are from that and an ESPN 30 for 30. It's called Elway to Marino. Now, during the draft, early in the day, the Raiders were involved. What they thought they had was a trade with the uh, the Bears, the Raiders, and the uh, Baltimore Colts. And what it was, the Raiders thought that they had a deal in place acquiring the rights to Elway. The Raiders saw it. They were going to get the Chicago Bears' number six overall pick and flip it as a part of a package to then Baltimore Colts for Elway. Again, who went first overall but was starting not to, uh, not to play and play baseball for the Yankees. The Bears would have parted with three first round, with their first rounder in exchange for a player from one of two lists. Now, this is the key. They gave one of two lists. There was an A list and a B list. A list was Howie Long, Ted Watts, or Mike Davis. They get one. The B list was Van McElroy, Ken Hill, or Jeff Barnes. They get to pick one from each of those lists, plus the first-round pick. So it's a done deal. They're actually reporting it. Now, Mar- this is Marvin Denoff talking. The next thing I know, I'm being told that Don Weiss of the NFL office, who was a high-ranking executive senior vice president, called the Bears to confirm whether it was true. Then the deal vanished. All of a sudden, it was off, and the ex- uh, strange excuse for calling the Bears, rather than let the teams do their business, wherever they want to do it, the Raiders and the Bears said they had it confused. The Bears thought they would get all six players, not one from each list. Now, that's a little bit strange after the deal was already made saying one from either A or B. That's also a lot for now, it, too. Now, but Demoff brought up, 
if that was the case, why would there be an A and a B list? It was all six players. Okay. The league obviously orchestrated this whole thing because they were not going to let the Raiders, who I should have said in the beginning, whose owner is Al Davis, was suing the NFL and Pete Roselli at the time. So they're going through a lawsuit about moving to, from L.A. to Oakland. I think they're in L.A. at the time. So Al Davis is away from the draft because he's suing. And Roselli's upset with the Raiders. They're not going to let Elway go to the Raiders at no time. So there's where I'm going to basically say that, that that was a conspiracy, that the NFL was controlling where they were going to let. They were de- deciding where Elway went, was going to go. Elway was not going to tell them. Now, with Dan Marino, he was more or less, he had a great junior season with Pittsburgh. He had a drop off the senior season but still ranked as one of the best quarterbacks, a pocket passer in that draft. But the NFL put out some bogus r- rumors, and Ron Wolf, who was the GM of the Raiders, basically said Marino wasn't on their board because of those false drug rumors. They interviewed uh, Marino's roommate. He wasn't doing drugs. Well, then why would Marino drop to 26 overall for the Dolphins? Basically, he was Dan Marino was picked number one for the LA Express for the USFL. As a kid, he was just going out to judge a bikini contest and went to the press conference where they announced him as the number one pick. Did not sign a contract, just went there and appeared and almost like to promote the USFL. NFL didn't like that, so his stock plummeted. And then he drops down. Tony Eason was drafted above him, all because of false rumors. Not just him, Kenny O'Brien. There were a few. Jim that, Kelly, but, yeah. you know, some of these guys were good, but Marino and Elway were the top of the class. Nothing yeah. like Marino's Marino Marino should not have been the last quarterback to pick that draft. There's no way. And there was even one where he, Pittsburgh had a ch- shot at him, and the Pittsburgh actually said, no, we're going to move on because, Danny, you sure you shouldn't be at home. Now, the Pittsburgh owner, Rooney, okay, his son was now talking about his dad who's in heaven, and his son basically, his dad was at the end of his life during this draft, and he said, pick Marino. And dad passed away before the draft. And he even said, I came hearing, you know, hearing that pick Marino. And they basically, why would the Steelers, who, that's a hometown boy. Now, they use the excuse, no, we had Terry Bradshaw. He had plenty of years. Marino was not going to sit and wait. He had to start right away. Bradshaw broke his leg the next year and was done. Didn't he still wait a year or in no, for the Dolphins? No, Marino came in right away. Well, he waited like six games. Woodley played six okay. games. And so then Marino came away. in, took it, and just took off. You know, and he literally had admission. He made that clear. He was going to prove the NFL wrong. Well, my whole point is this this conspiracy here for the NFL draft in 83 was absolutely a conspiracy against Al Davis, Marino, and Elway. They orchestrated all three to literally tell them. Now, Elway ended up getting where he wanted to with, with the Broncos. He wasn't going to the Colts. And that's a whole other soap opera in itself. But still, the league had their hand in that draft. So I'm going to say, yes, that year there was, there was a conspiracy that I'm going to hold true in 83. Well, that's not the only conspiracy from the NFL. Um, this is from 247sports.com, and it's the 14 biggest NFL conspiracy theories that may be true. Uh, number 14 is the league is fixed, period. Go home, or go, go big or go home, teaches the old adage. So we're ending with the top NFL conspiracy theory we could find. The website, The Fix Is In, is run by Brian Tuhi. He's an author and over the years claims sports leagues such as the NFL can fix the outcomes. In short, Tuhi has suggested parts of every week in the NFL season are controlled by individuals who aren't playing the games and has offered explanations on his theories on his website, in books, and during media appearances. Is the NFL truly no different from any primetime drama you watch in and given TV series? 
Are the outcomes of the NFL games as scripted as the WWE matches? Yes, I'm going to say that's true, and I'm going to use the Tom Brady rule. There are still some Oakland Raiders fans, including John Gruden, who's upset about that, to where Jerry Rice makes it clear, who was on the Raiders, that they stole his Super Bowl ring. At the time, replay was three minutes. After three minutes, he wasn't conclusive. You go back to the original uh, call. It took like nine minutes. And what, uh, at the time, I don't know who was the, the commissioner before Roger Goodell and between Pete Rozelle, Paul Tagliabue. He basically got on the phone and said, it's the tuck rule. And the head ref said, there is no tuck rule. There will be tomorrow. So I agree with that, with that guy. It was scripted. That was called out. Absolutely. He, he's onto something there. Number 13, the NFL hides or hid concussions. Uh, the perception is that the NFL didn't want to lose fans who no longer wanted to watch such a dangerous sport and also that concerned parents would, upon learning such information, prevent children playing in a game that could ultimately prove to be fatal years down the road. That's happening right now. Is that like the concussion movie? Is that kind of? Yes, that that is CTE, correct. There are uh, people right uh, on the air, uh, sports uh, personalities saying, I will not let my kid play football unless the kid wants to. But they're going to steer them away. Well, the point of this particular theory is that the NFL blatantly That's, hides them. I'm going to, yes, because they did. They did. They didn't want it. That, that movie that Ryan's talking about explained just that. Uh, number 12, the NFL hides performance-enhancing drugs tests. Uh, for this, the idea is that the leagues happily publicize suspensions and other punish- punishments for certain athletes who fail tests, while at the same time sweeping underneath a figurative rug if a major sports superstar gets popped for violating a drug policy. It is, after all, a little weird. An all-time popular athlete almost never gets caught cheating in such a matter during the prime of his career. Again, I'm going to agree, but that's the fans' fault because in baseball, it's a cardinal sin. But in football, no big deal. These linemen, they go through a beating defensive linemen. They need that to survive. So, uh, yes, I'm going to give that one too. Number 11, Russell Wilson's Super Bowl interception. It It's years after the fact, and it makes zero sense that the Seattle Seahawks elected to pass the ball from the one-yard line late in their Super Bowl 49 contest versus the New England Patriots. The Patriots secured a victory after quarterback Russell Wilson threw an interception in the end zone, and multiple conspiracy theories were born. One theory involves Seattle running back Marshall Lynch, Marshawn Lynch, sorry, who could have been an MVP candidate had he scored the game-winning touchdown from the goal line. Lynch had a history for giving non-answers during interviews, particularly during the team's media day leading up to the Super Bowl 49. And the theory is that the NFL wanted Wilson to throw a TD so he would be more of a media darling in the eyes of some and not Lynch would win the MVP. I'm going to disagree with that one because uh, they didn't, like, there's no way the NFL got into the play calling and they made that mandate because how did they know it was going to be at the one-yard line at the end of the game? Uh, yes, there was a word call, but that's hindsight. Um, I think from what I heard, Daryl Bevel was the offensive coordinator, and he thought that they were thinking the defense run with Marshawn Lynch, so they threw the pass instead. Think, obviously, they were wrong because they were thinking pass, but that one I'm going to disagree with. Number 10, lights out at the Super Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens jumped out to a 28-6 lead over the San Francisco 49ers in the third quarter of Super Bowl, what, 47? Yeah, the Harbaugh Bowl. Probably leading some viewers to seek out other programming before the lights at the Superdome went out. The power outage interrupted play for over half an hour and gave the Niners an opportunity to regroup. San Francisco embarked on a rally that came up just short, but with the Ravens winning 34-31, couldn't quite 
couldn't quiet some conspiracy theories that claimed the plug had been pulled in an effort to keep the fans tuned in and to stall Baltimore's momentum. Baltimore linebacker Ray, Lee, Ray Lewis even stated that he thought it was a bit strange that a zillion dollar company would experience such a technical failure on the organization's biggest son of the year. Who would the zillion dollar company be? The I NFL? Say, it's, there's no zillion. There's no okay, such. Well, but yeah, I think he meant okay, the NFL. Well, he's making a mistake there because they don't control the stadium's electrical circuits. That's on the stadium itself. Well, you can even say that the Superdome is a, is a yeah, who runs they the may be, yeah, They may be. But that's the city, whoever owns it, because they're leasing it to the actual So maybe city. they're in on it. That's well, yes, but with any... Again, why would they be in on it? Because it was uh, Baltimore and San Francisco and New Orleans wasn't even playing. Again, that, I'm going to just basically disagree. But look, momentum did change. But with any stoppage in baseball, you have a rain delay, the pitchers. It, it, a delay will change any game's momentum. Now, it does look a bit odd. During the Super Bowl, it went out. I agree. But a coincidence? I don't think that's a conspiracy. Number nine, I think, is more of a myth, cultural myth. It's Jimmy Hoffa's remains being in the uh, – Giants um, yeah, stadium. That, that, is that just folklore? Yeah, yeah it's just, just, so we'll just go over that one. Know. That's kind of never funny. Know. That's kind of funny. <laughs> you think so? Just plain devil's advocate. <laughs> we won't know until they demolish the New York Giants well, stadium. Then I might as well read it. It says, depending on how you view things, this may be more of an urban legend than a conspiracy theory. Jimmy Hoffa, the famous alleged monster, disappeared in the summer of 75, and it was suggested for decades that Hoffa's remains were buried underneath the west end of the giant stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. This was never officially confirmed or denied, but it would help to explain why the New York Jets and New York Giants decided to build the new MetLife Stadium right next to the old complex. There's nothing special about that location, and getting to and from the stadium could be a pain for fans if they're driving or using public transportation is it possible that certain people had something to hide look that that's not a conspiracy we already laughed like about that but look that also the dude who actually killed him came clean before he died in prison they went to the detroit house found hoppers blood dna matched it up so that's not true number eight super bowl 50 affected by the officials uh the thought had by some conspiracy theorists, not to mention pockets of unhappy Carolina fans, is that the outcome of the game was fixed so that Manning, one of the league's most beloved players, could retire as a champion. Head referee Cleet Blakeman drew the ear of Panthers fans when his crew made several game-altering calls against the Panthers, such as ruling Jericho's Cotteries first-quarter catch for first down and interception, and then holding up the ruling despite a challenge in view evidence that Cotteries had caught the ball before going to the ground, and also completely missing the Broncos quarterback Talib's uh, cornerback, sorry, Talib's going offsides on the Graham Gano field goal that the kicker ended up missing. Yes, that's absolutely – I would agree because the NFL officials, as we talked with uh, the NBA officials, can dictate the game. And that was one that was very – some really weird calls in the Super Bowl. And correct, there was a, a replay that was clearly – the evidence wasn't there, but yet they still went the other way. Number seven, the Colts tanked. The perception at the time was that the Colts adopted a suck-for-luck mantra – Sound familiar with Lose for Hughes? And taking the 2011 season in order to acquire yet another franchise quarterback. What's ironic is that this was, is that Manning proved he had plenty left in the tank as he set records and also won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. Okay, no, that's not true because Manning went through a neck surgery right before that and he was out. This is the infamous Jim Caldwell year where the year before Caldwell had the Colts. He went to the Super Bowl with Manning, uh, lost the Super Bowl. 
And then the next year, Manning had that neck injury. They were out. Uh, he was out for the whole year. Painter was the quarterback. They went 3-13. and 13. So I had nothing to do with lose for uh, luck. It was just they were horrible with uh, Painter as a quarterback. It just painted itself that way. So that was not true. Number six, this is the first of a few New England Patriots, Deflategate. One of the strangest football st- stories in recent memories involved none other than the New England Patriots. The conspiracy theory regarding the 2015 AFC Championship game is that New England quarterback Tom Brady knowingly played with underinflated footballs, breaking the league rules in the process to gain an unfair advantage over the Indianapolis Colts. The Patriots routed the Colts 45-7, to making it seem as if Brady could have used beach balls and easily won the contest. Nevertheless, the NFL pursued punishments for Brady and the Patriots for over a year, and Brady served a four-game suspension at the start of the 2016 season. Uh, I don't want to say conspiracy theory. The uh, New England Patriots flat-out cheated. Yes, they did. That was They did. That was not conspiracy theory. Brady is guilty. Guilty is charged. Shattered his phone. Took him years to prove it, and him going out and uh, arguing. This is what we're talking about, New England fans. That happens anywhere in the country. They're all over, prosecute that guy, but since it was Tom, no, 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 he didn't break that phone. He was getting a new one. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with you. However, it still would be a conspiracy theory because uh, Brady denies it, and so does Kraft and the and the New England. I understand that, but with that organization, there are no cheaters. So it just plays into the NFL conspiracies. They've cheated and got caught with other uh, uh, videoing stuff. So no, that's not going to be a conspiracy. The England, the New England Patriots are cheaters. Super Bowl number five is Super Bowl three, uh, where the Jets earned a surprise victory 16 to seven over the Baltimore Colts. Why would this game have been fixed in favor of the Jets? Former NFL player Bubba Smith once suggested that the outcome of the game had been rigged because the league wanted a New York team to win the high-profile game to raise interest in pro football. And also the league wanted a former AFL team to finally win the biggest contest of the season after AFL sides had been dominated in the first two Super Bowl showdowns. Only because the AFL was about to go bankrupt, I think, what you were saying earlier. And because of that, if they're going to go bankrupt, uh, I can see it, that the NFL would get involved. That, look, we just got done talking about the Carolina uh, Super Bowl where they were man- the NFL referees were mandated for calls. I can see that happening there. Number four, Spygate 2. Uh, as sports reporters working for Toronto Mail and Globe suggested that the New York Giants somehow managed to intercept radio transmissions from opposing sides during the 2001 NFL playoffs. That, per the piece, helped the Giants notch postseason victories over the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings. It was a little odd, if not suspicious. The Giants managed to destroy Minnesota 41 nothing en route to earning a berth in the Super Bowl. And such allegations looked even worse when the Giants lost the Super Bowl 35-34-7 to the Baltimore Ravens. Do you think it's unethical to steal signs in baseball? Catcher signs, coach signs? Yeah. You do? You're stealing. Now, it's not, it's not the same as stealing a base because that's in the games. No, you're I, just, I get that. Sti- you're stealing I get that. Signals. But yes. you're, you're watching the coach and their signals are easy. You figure it out. That's, that this means well, a steal. That's different than intercepting uh, the transmissions. That's a whole different argument. Okay. That's apples and if, oranges. If they're listening into the play calling, you're 100% correct. But if they're, I thought I was picking up their signals. They intercept radio transmissions. Okay. That's, then, yeah, that, that, that's, there's something wrong with that. Because that, that's yeah, then both teams should have the uh, availability to listen to both ways. So, yes, that would be no wrong. Uh, number three is Spygate 1. 
the 2007 videotaping controversy regarding, once again, the New England Patriots, alleging recording defensive coaches of the New York Jets may in fact have been worse than we originally knew. According to an ESPN report released in 2015, the Patriots may have recorded more than one team and has also claimed that the Patriots sent undercover advanced scouts to retain in- information on upcoming opponents. Again, it's not a conspiracy. The Patriots are cheaters. So... No, they're cheaters. So that that could be true. It could be, but they're cheaters. Here's uh, the last uh, New England one, and it's number two. Tom Brady's concussions were hid. During a CBS morning show interview that occurred on May 17th, Tom Brady's wife claimed Brady had a history of concussions and also that Brady suffered a concussion during the 2016 season. The Patriots never posted any Brady concussion on official injury list during the campaign, which has raised eyes among observers and those who feel the Patriots have violated other NFL rules over the years. In fact, Brady has never been listed as having a concussion throughout his pro career. All right, the, we've established the New England Patriots are going to violate NFL rules whenever they feel like it. Let's just talk about the concussion thing. Um, years ago, eight years ago, you were laughed at if you came off the field and said, Coach, I got a headache. What did the coach tell you? Rub it in the dirt and get, get back out there. back out in there. Correct. You play. You play. The, I don't want to hear about it. It was a man thing. You're not tough. You're all, all, all these names to make you a girly type figure. Hold on. Did Brady even say anything? Is it doc- did, did he let the team know? Did they hide it? I think Brady himself know full well if he mentioned he's going to get pulled, and he didn't say anything. So I mean, I know I remember uh, Giselle, his wife, saying these things, but why her? Why isn't why didn't Brady tell the team? Did he tell the team? It's not known. That's why I, in this time of it's changed with the concussion, they have a spotter now in the NFL. If they see symptoms, they get pulled. Because of just this, to where the players admitted, I played what, for the season, three seasons of Super Bowl with a concussion because they weren't going to tell. I don't think Brady. I think Brady's just as guilty as anyone else there. Again, the Patriots are cheaters. I think Brady just didn't want to let anyone know. He just wanted to keep playing. I don't exactly. That. So that's why that's not a conspiracy. Yeah, that happened. But okay, the number one conspiracy for the NFL or theory, and the Browns tainted in two thousand six. The Cleveland Browns built a lackluster roster before September 2016, and that squad lost 15 straight games en route to finishing the year with a 1-15 record. Despite the franchise's worst-ever season, those running the Browns decided to retain the coaching staff and the team's front office. The idea behind this conspiracy theory is that the Browns went all-in on losing and tanked an entire season in order to acquire the first overall pick of the 2017 NFL Draft. And selecting the Browns... A selection the Browns spent on defensive end and top-tier prospect Miles Garrett. The problem I have with that is Miles Garrett hasn't turned into this stud that people thought he was going to be to where, now if they did tank it, they tanked it for the, they didn't get anything. So they could have tanked it, but that's, today in Detroit, we talked about this. The, the fans of Detroit wanted the Lions to tank it. They were promoting tank it for the best pick, number one pick, a better pick. Well, that's a gamble. I mean, just same. I mean, Jack Hughes for the NHL could. I mean, he's going to be good, but he could end up I, getting hurt, and it could be a bust. I hu- mean, huge gamble. That's why I don't. I'm not sure if it's a league conspiracy or if because the, the teams are doing that now. It is a strategy to tank it to get the number one pick. But is it going to work? Is that pick going to pan out? Look, they got Baker Mayfield too that year. They had two two first round picks. So I mean, there's another reason why would they tank when they got two picks? They got theirs and somebody from a trade. So, I don't know. I think the, the Browns just were horrible. They're terrible. 
Okay, well, we'll move on from the NFL to the NBA, and we're going to stick with just the lottery because there's a lot of conspiracy going with the past lotteries for the NBA, including this year's. And the, uh, there's eight top, and this is from the NFL draft lottery conspiracy theories, and this is from SBNation.com. You mean NBA draft lottery? I'm sorry, didn't I say NBA? Okay, NBA draft lottery, yes. Number eight, uh, no Zeon for the Big Apple. Uh, the NBA manufactures so much drama by having the Pelicans, Grizzlies, and Lakers jump into the top four while st- still keeping the carrot on the string for Knicks fans. If number one goes to the Knicks, then everyone goes about their day. It was expected. Knicks fans are happy, and the NBA keeps spinning. Now there's any number of possible scenarios, and they all benefit the NBA. If the Pelicans trade Anthony Davis to the Knicks, then New York gets its star, and the big market dream for the NBA is achieved. If the Pelicans build a super team around Davis and and Zion, then the NBA gets one of the biggest local markets to have a can't-miss team, and... According to ESPN and ABC's uh, top 10 highest rated local markets, New Orleans is number three. Well, I, from what I understood and what I was told, New Orleans is not a place that players want to go to and play. Zion didn't want to go there. He didn't want to get drafted by it. But the Knicks, in this case, screwed up because before the draft even happened, they made an announcement. If they get the number one pick, they're trading it to the Pelicans for Davis. So they made their card already know what they were going to do. Now, yes— the Pelicans, for the first time ever, they had a 6% chance to get the number one pick. And for the first time, that low of a uh, percentage actually got the number one pick. Conspiracy? I don't know. Does the NBA want Zion, a, a once-in-a-lifetime talent, to be in New Orleans? That's a guy you want in New York. Now, if New York got the number one pick, I'd say conspiracy. Well, that was the argument. They have one of the strongest, the third strongest local market. So the N- the NBA would want the him there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt them anyways. It would help them. The Pelicans are about to move. Again, sold. they first came from um, uh, Charlotte and then went to New, or- to New Orleans, and now they're going to move for a, a third time or be the second move. Yes. Did they come from Seattle? No, no, that was the Thunder. But you're, you're correct. Yes, they're, t- they're talking about moving again. And the owner, the, I think the Saints owner uh, owns the uh, Pelicans. It's not a draw. I mean, the, the market may be there. It's almost like the Miami Marlins down in Florida. They got a market, but nobody comes. So, again, you want Zion, and, and there's a reason why Anthony Davis doesn't want to play in New Orleans. It's not because he's not making money. The guy's making $26 million a year. It could be because they weren't good. He, he, they, no, see, that's just it. They were competing for the playoffs until he came out, and this is where the NBA gets. They never should have said this, but he came out and said, I want to be traded. Now, when you say that you make the demands, I'm done with you, I'm a free agent, I'm not re-upping. I'm leaving. Now that team wants to trade you, right? So they put him out. They made him sit. We're not going to get you hurt. NBA made a call, you must play Anthony Davis. So they got involved there. That's what brings the whole conspiracy thing to me. maybe be true. Number seven, the Chicago Bulls land their hometown star in 2008. The Chicago Bulls weren't down on their luck in any stretch by the time the 2008 NBA draft lottery rolled around, but this also presented a unique opportunity for the NBA. The, Bull had, the Bulls had languished with two playoff exits and clearly missed one superstar piece to get over the hump. Derrick Rose gave the NBA the opportunity to intervene and solidify the future of the once-proud franchise. Rose, a Chicago native, had slotted himself as a top pick along with Michael Beasley and O.J. Mayo. 
However, as the draft drew near, many believed Rose was going number one. The Bulls were in need of an upgrade at point guard from Kirk Heinrich, and this was the chance to kill two birds with one stone from the NBA's perspective. Chicago had just a 1.7% chance of landing the top pick, and it was enough with the league's help, of course, according to this conspiracy theory. Well, that makes perfect sense because Chicago being a big market, the NBA is an awesome marketing juggernaut. So, yes, they would do everything they can to get Rose to go to that for that reason. So, yes, I, that would be I would agree with. And the NBA is known for conspiracies, too. Uh, number six, the Orlando Magic. Uh, the year is 1930, 1993, and Shaquille O'Neal, a 20-year-old phenom, uh, cruised the Rookie of the Year honors, posting 23.4 points, 13.9 rebounds, and 3.5 blocks a game, a season that regarded as one of the best rookie years in NHL history. Uh, the Knicks, the NBA knew that they had meant they had a mega superstar on their hands and sought to get him to uh, to no, no, to uh, Orlando. Now, who's that? Um, Shaquille O'Neal or Penny? Shaquille O'Neal. He went to the Lakers, though. But uh, no, I, I understand. And I get that whole thing. But Shaquille O'Neal came out. Now, the NBA again. Yes, this is Tim Donahue with the referees and market and calling the game to make sure the. Market team wins. That Orlando didn't win that. Did they win that championship that year? Because the minute they, I thought they won, he went to the big time with L.A. and that was just the L.A. scene. So, well, now, let me finish. Hold on. Enter the nineteen ninety three lottery draft. The Magic come on the table with just a one point five two percent chance of landing the top picks, thanks to their eleven plate finish. The Magic win the lottery, of course. Trade uh, Chris Webber, who was the biggest draw. Uh, that year to the Warriors on draft night for Penny Hardaway and three future round first round picks. O'Neal and Hardaway went on to form one of the most exciting tandems in the 1990s, both making multiple NBA All-Star games and leading the Magic to the playoffs for three straight years, including the finals in 94-95. I don't think they won it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that's not a conspiracy because Weber, he was a trade commodity. that They, they, they weren't going to have Weber and Shaquille O'Neal in the same lineup. So they traded for a guard, Penny Hardaway, and yeah, that yeah, obviously that was successful. No, that's not a conspiracy. Number five, Ball is a lifeline for the Lakers. Uh, we're talking about Lonzo Ball, and with some grand prize worth rigging the lottery over. But this isn't the story of the UCLA point guard going to Los Angeles. The key players in this conspiracy were then-coach Luke Walton and executive Magic Johnson, both of whom predicted their top three pick with stunning accuracy. In a classic case of saying the quiet part loud, the quiet part loud, sorry, Will Walton appears on the CBS Sports We Need to Talk and outlines straight-faced how the Lakers are going to get their top pick to build for their future. Yeah, but I think uh, the ball's father had a lot to do with that too, which is sad to say. But being in another large market, Los Angeles, I could say yes, that's a conspiracy. Well, they're saying because he came up before the draft and said we're getting it for sure, there's a conspiracy. No, Magic Johnson was uh, fined for tampering because of that too now. So, I could, yeah, I could see that. Number four, the Cleveland Cavaliers' incredible luck. No team in the NFL and the NBA has benefited more than from the league's guiding hand than the Cleveland Cavaliers. In 2011, 2013, and 2014, the Cavaliers unpredictably landed the number one pick in the draft. Over this time, they never had the worst record in the league. In 2011, the Cavaliers get number one in the lottery thanks to having the Clippers pick a 2.8% chance. 
In 2013, they get number one in the lottery with a 15.6% chance. And in 2014, they got number one in the lottery with a 1.7% chance, which means two of those three years, it was below a 3% chance to win. The raw odds of this happening is 1,493 to 1. So improbable, it functionally shouldn't happen. And yet the Cavaliers kept doing it again, again, and again. After James left, the Cavaliers were in dire need of a new superstar, and the NBA was there to give them an opportunity time and time again. In April 2019, the Cavaliers had a 50-50 coin flip against the Suns to determine which team would officially receive the ping-pong combinations for the second-worst record in the NBA. They won, naturally. I want to agree. That was a flat-out conspiracy. That was ridiculous. No, I'm going to, three, for all the time that they were the Cavaliers, that was just ridiculous. I'm going to agree for, to win all the number of picks, although the thing is they didn't do anything with those picks. They just won one championship. That was at the wrong comeback. So, but yes, the league had their hand in on that. Uh, number three is Mutombo's knows best. The Philadelphia 76ers had the best chance of landing the number one pick on lottery night. But by this point, we've seen time and time again that luck means nothing when it comes to landing the pick. The Sixers had a 25% chance of getting the first pick, but this came after several years of the Cavaliers somehow jumping the worst teams in the league. So there was no guarantee the 76ers would pick number one, and yet one guy knew. At 4.36 p.m., Matumbo tweeted, congrats to the Sixers on grabbing the number one spot in the hashtag NBA draft. What time was the draft? It was after that time. Okay, then there you go. Wow. <laughs> it was even, it, it, even Mark, it was time stamped I think he, on the tweet. Oops. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of proves it right there. I kind of think that all these conspiracies now the drafts are true because that right there tells you he knew. How would he know? Come on now. I, I totally agree. Uh, number two, Stern makes up for training Chris Paul in 2002. Uh this is kind of a long one. So George Shine is one of the most notorious owners in the NBA history. Once the king of the Queen City, Shine, or maybe it's Shin, brought the NBA to Charlotte in 1987 after buying the rights to start a franchise, leading to the creation of the Charlotte Hornets. Just over a decade later, he was in the middle of a public trial for kidnapping and sexual assault, which led to the public finding out of Shin's extramarital affairs. Withdrawing from the public, Shin decided to move the Hornet to Charlotte to New Orleans, and a decision some believe was caused by public scrutiny in Charlotte. Despite the Hornet still pulling some of the best attendance figures in the NBA, Shin found a new home for his team. Things were decent for the New Orleans Hornets for the better part of a decade. The team had a few playoff bursts, hosted an NBA All-Star game, and thanks to superstar Chris Paul, looked to anchor the team for its future. Then Shin expressed his desire to sell the team. A year down the road and a collapsed deal later, Stern announced the league would purchase the Hornets for $300 million and ensure a financial solvency and the health of the league as a whole. The league-owned Hornets decided to trade Paul after the star demanded a trade out of New Orleans and, part, and put the team over a barrel. The initial deal for the Lakers was vetoed by Stern, citing that it wasn't in the team's best interest. Four days later, New Orleans agreed to a deal that sent Paul to the Clippers, bolstering the underperforming Los Angeles team and increasing its worth. Meanwhile, the Hornets got back a two two second-round picks, the Timberwolves' unprotected first-round, Eric Gordon, Chris Kaman. It was also a potential upside for the deal, but it was aged terribly in retrospect. I'll make this quick. That was the most crookedest thing ever. I remember Stern taking over the 
the league took the team over, and that was the worst trade. No owner, general manager would have made that deal. Stern did that for the reasons that you just cited there, so yeah, I'm going to say yes. And the last one also includes uh, involves Stern. Uh, number one, David Stern rigs the 1985 lottery. The year 1985, the first time the NBA decided to hold a draft lottery to determine the number one overall pick. The felt form in New York City is buzzing. The league just secured a new broadcast agreement for the draft with the TBS Superstation, and the Knicks were sitting on the third worst record in the league. Everyone knows the Knicks, the Knicks were supposed to get a high pick, but the pressure is still on. The Warriors and Pacers still had worse records, but represented much smaller markets compared to New York. Stearns knows the Knicks have to land the number one pick, not only to prove the concept of the NBA draft lottery and the unpredictability that can anything can happen, but ensure that Georgetown standout Patrick Ewing can anchor the Knicks in the NBA's premier market for the next decade. In 1985, there was no weighted lottery. Each of the seven teams in the NBA was given an equal chance to land the number one overall pick, giving each team just a 14.29% chance of being able to pick Ewing. Rather than using the standard lottery ball system as it eventually would, the league put large cards into a tumbler, spun it around, and Stern would select one to be the top pick. It's here where NBA's two-pronged plan springs into action. Two separate attempts to rig the lottery, one desired result. Over the years, people have argued for each theory, but it could be that both were done simultaneously to hedge Stern's bet. First of all, the Knicks envelope was refrigerated, making it cooler to touch. This attempted to make the card stand out amongst the rest, making it easier to select. However, the plan was risky. Under stage lights and with the possibility of time delay, there was a chance the envelope would heat up, rendering the process meaningless. So Stern had the help of a secondary source. Jack Wagner, a partner at the accounting firm Ernest and Whitney, placed the envelopes in a drum and conspicuously happened to bang one of them on the lip of the vessel, denting the Knicks envelope. Yep, that's 100% true. I remember watching those drafts with the tumble, the bingo tumbler and the cards. Absolutely. That, Not so, done yet, though. Hold on. Wagner is the real key to all this because he was the league's failsafe. If Stern couldn't select the cold envelope, he instead looked for the creased corner, knowing that it was the Knicks logo. Need more proof? Ernst and Whitney were the accounting firm of golf and Western Industries. Guess who was the prominent owner of the Knicks in 1985? Golf and Western Industries. There you go. And I thought we didn't land on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, well, these are the top three NHL ones. And then the Major League Baseball, same thing with the top three. All right, we can do that. Because these conspiracies, I mean, look, pretty much what I'll discuss – there's a few that are just to work coincidence, but most of them, yeah, they're true because these leagues, they understand. I think they're marketing geniuses. Well, let me do at least some of the titles of them. We need to talk to them. In 15, I think it's so doubtful. The NBA All-Star Game is rigged to include back, black players. But I totally disagree with that. NBA? NHL. I'm okay. Okay. The NHL All-Star Game is rigged. And P.K. Subban, is, he's good. There's no He deserves to be in the All-Star. I think that's just so doubtful. No, I agree. But one here, this one, I want to go into – Number 14, Janet Gretzky's gambling allegations was a cover-up for Wayne. Janet Jones is an American actress who's known for roles in dance movies. She appeared in many big-screen films, workout films, and a TV commercial. She also married the world's greatest hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. During this time, a half dozen in 2006, during this time, a half dozen NHL players were among the people who were implicated in a sports-based gambling ring alleging financed by Phoenix 
Coyote assistant coach. And I think that was Tocket. 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 Yep. Yes. Yep. At that time, the Coyotes general manager and Gretzky's former agent admitted to placing a bet on a, on Super Bowl through Janet. Miss Gretzky released a statement claiming she did not place the wagers on her husband's behalf. It is fairly suspicious that Janice would, was placing bets in a gambling ring where a bunch of NHL players got implicated. Although she says she did not place on his behalf, the majority of people think it was odd that someone like her would participate in such activities. You know, I was trying to figure out how did this make it, but yet Jordan didn't make it. And that's draft lottery. I just figured it out. But Jordan was doing the same thing. He was suspended from the league for gambling, which is why I went and played baseball. Well, actually, they just covered the whole thing up, which is the same thing here. If I have time to bring up, that is one of the conspiracies in the, the baseball one. That oh, okay. Jordan being yeah, in. so it makes sense. But yeah, that's true. I mean, I completely believe that was a conspiracy. Number 13, the NHL is bailing on the 2018 Olympics or bailed uh, to protect Team Canada because uh, Team USA was looking so good. No. No. The 1990. Nine Stanley Cup winning goal. You remember this one was uh, with uh, Brett Hall, and he was supposedly inside yeah, yep, the blue yep, paint. Yep, yep, and yep. Well, going by the rule of the, the, the law of the rule, yeah, he, that he was in the crease. Uh, number eleven was Wayne Gretzky's trade to Edmonton. That that was rigged from Edmonton to Los Angeles. Here we go again with the league knowing full well. And after that trade happened, American hockey just skyrocketed. And the league knew that. That's why I'm going to. That could be very well true. Absolutely. I mean, number ten is totally doubtful that goalies are paid to to fix games that they can let a a, a goal in easily. I, I think it's highly doubtful. Well, that's point shaving. So no. Number nine, I think it's true. And John Scott being in the All Star game. He did not deserve to be in that year. He, they even got traded and put down into the minors, and he still ended not, up in the All-Star game. I'm not going to put a, as a conspiracy. That was the fans being stupid. The fans picked him. Yeah, yeah so I don't agree. It's not a conspiracy. Idiot fans. Okay, next. Uh, the NHL playoffs are rigged to keep big market teams in longer. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah absolutely. That's how they make their TV money. Uh, number six is the, the draft lottery is fixed by the NHL. Well, see, all these lotteries, and, um, you got people now in Detroit that want the NFL to go to the draft lottery because of the intense, the, the emotion involved. And if it doesn't mean if you tank it, you're going to get yeah, the number one pick. Yeah, everyone gets a chance. They want the NFL, the Super Bowl champ, to have a 1% chance to win that lottery and get the number one pick. Number five, I totally believe. Canadian teams get calls in their favor to boost playoff ratings. I totally well, believe that's that. That's a Yeah, okay. Number four, all-star, NHL all-star selections rigged by the league to make the game more fun. No, because that's a big joke right now as far as that game. You had Rona checking somebody in the All-Star game. It's a, really just an a, a offensive skill game. No. Okay, now here's the top three. Number three, the Pens won the lottery for Sid Crosby so they could stay in Pittsburgh. Oh, look, I've been going to be very strange with the Penguins. Like the Cleveland Cavaliers got all these top three picks. Flurry. Well, wait a minute. Melkin. They were really bad those years. And, and Malkin, they were actually that year, they were the worst and didn't get a top pick because the top pick that year was Ovechkin. So the and they Cle ended up got Malkin as number two. So the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were always bad too. But if you're we the last if you're we discussed they, the wait, same wait, thing. If you're the last you without the lottery, if you're the last place team in the league, you would get number one. And the Penguins were the last place team in the league. But if I'm not mistaken, with the Crosby Doug McClain, I've got the wrong name. I know it was McClain. He was a former Red Wing coach, was a coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They had the worst record that year, and they were pretty much thinking they were going to get Sid the Kid to save Columbus, to bring them. They were an expansion team. 
why wouldn't Crosby go to an expansion team? NHL's not letting that happen. That was the next one. So who was next? Pittsburgh. I bought them day one. I would like that from the beginning. And you conveniently, because the Pittsburgh Penguins got him, it was all of a sudden legit. But that's true. Number two, referees call penalties to make games more exciting. Or don't call them. We've already discussed that in a previous podcast. And I brought up an NFL referee telling me they have directives. So there you go. But wait a minute. Let's talk about this year's playoffs yeah. with the San Jose. San Jose. I think if San Jose pulls out again, and they're down now three games at two to St. Louis. If they pull this out, there's no doubt in my mind that it's rigged because ever since Carlson got hurt, they're not going to win. But you are 100% correct. Um, for those that don't know, a hand pass in the offensive zone is a no goal. And for four refs not to see it, and for 45,000 people to see it, that's a flat out, absolutely 100%. They were because the rule is if no ref sees it, you can't review it. So 100% yes. And number one, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory at all. I think it's the truth. Teams tank it to get higher draft picks. Lose for you. No, not a conspiracy. You have that in Detroit to where we've discussed the value of losing is higher than winning. So that's the uh, the NHL ones. And now the conspiracy theories for the MLB baseball. Uh, number 14, Cal Ripken delays the game to hunt for Kevin Costner. <laughs> Apparently... The theory is, in August 1997, well, well after breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak, an Oilers game was canceled because Carl Ripken Jr. wasn't going to make it. The reason? Ripken was out on the hunt for actor Kevin Costner, who had slept with Ripken's wife while staying with Cal and his wife. When the Hall of Fame shortstop found him, Ripken supposedly punched Costner in the face, breaking his nose. Yeah, I heard that, but that's not a conspiracy because it happened. But I don't know about being conspiracy. I mean, that really happened. I'm just reading off that these are from the sports, the sportser.com from 2017. Number 13, this was with the Tigers. Prince Fielder was traded to the Tigers because his wife slept around. Number, I've heard that. Number 12, Kevin Mitchell um, harmed his girlfriend's cat, which, oh well. <laughs> A cat. <laughs> Number 11, Tommy Lasorda traded Glenn Burke because he was gay. Now, look, Lasorda, no, that wasn't, I'm going to say he did, that's not a conspiracy. That guy was old-fashioned. He's like Steinbrenner, no facial hair, haircut, and if you didn't get it, the only one that Steinbrenner let go was Catfish Hunter and um, who was the other, uh, Goose Gossage. Those guys got to have facial hair. Nobody else did. So I'm going to say that, no, that, that actually happened. It's true. Number 10, the Yankees conspired against A-Rod's contract. An attempt to get out of it. Absolutely, 100%. Once he was, uh, came up with the steroids and was in the contract, they went against to actually nullify that. So that's, again, not a conspiracy because it happened. Uh, number eight, um, Major League Baseball blackballed Barry Bonds in 2007 after, once again, the Belko incident. Absolutely. Uh, number six, flu-like symptoms are actually hangovers. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Uh Number four, the juiced ball theory. At times uh, where Major League wide offense was wide offense was down, including the 1960s and mid 2010s, Major League Baseball allowed balls to be juiced. There's also theories that the ball was juiced following the 1994 strike shortened season to revive interest in the sport. They're saying that this year too, because all the home runs are up. So that's not a conspiracy. Number three, David Robinson, Robertson, even make conspired in Derek Jeter's final home game. In Derek Jeter's final home game, September 26, 2014, Yankee closer David Robinson intentionally grooved pitches 
to turn a 5-2 lead into a 5-5 tie in the bottom half of the ninth. Oilers reliever, even Meek, then intentionally allowed Jeter to hit a walk-off single, giving the Yankees a 6-5 win. Wow. I'm, I'm gonna, that's kind of hard for Robinson to do that. And then to have the all those, I mean, to blow it like that, to groove those pitches, uh, I don't know, but... Number two, the Marlins man is working with Major League Baseball, which, okay, so he is. I No, no, no. Actually, he got kicked out of the Marlins. Jeter said, we don't want you. Go away. We're not going to give you uh, season tickets. Be behind our plate. Go wear your Marlins jacket in Chicago. So, no. That, that guy's just an entitled jerk. Cause I don't know what he does, but he thinks he has a right to every stadium behind the plate in his Marlins visor and jacket. That guy's a jerk. So and he goes everywhere, not just um, no, no. That's the whole point. Yes, and he he thinks he actually applied to every stadium in the league to be behind the plate because he is known as the doctor behind the plate. He is entitled to though. That guy's just a complete psycho. So no. Okay, number one, Babe Ruth's called shot. And the theory is, in Game 3 of the 1932 World Series, New York Yankees outfielder Babe Ruth pointed to the right field seats at Wrigley Field and promised to hit a home run there in response to taunts from players and fans. On the next pitch, Ruth hit a home run to the exact spot. Now, the film footage is uh, all kind of splotty and you know black and white. They actually showed it. He never pointed. That actual game, that actual bat, they brought it up. The actual, I mean, literally, and... They even stopped it to where, again, the film is very shoddy. What year was it? 19 what? 13? 1932. 32. Same. Okay. It was very shoddy. And you barely, what you've seen was like a little bit of emotion with his bat to point in the right center. But he never literally, what, one of it says that he took his fingers up and pointed. He never did that. Well, according to this, uh, we know that Ruth pointed, but we don't know what he was pointing at. And this is from the his Babe Ruth's own 1948 autobiography. While he was making up his mind to pitch to me, I stepped back again and pointed my finger at those bleachers, which only caused the mob to howl that much more at the time. Uh, Root, the, the Cubs pitcher, uh, threw me a fastball. If I had let it go, it would have been called a strike, but this was it. I swung from the ground with everything I had, and I hit the ball with every muscle in my system. Every sense I had told me that I had never hit a better one, that as long as I lived, nothing would ever feel as good as this. All right. Babe Ruth was the biggest baby. Everything had to be to his attention at his time. Uh, they even played a joke with a new uh, Lou Gehrig, was a rookie. They told him to go up and to touch his bat. You know, and when he did that, Ruth, no, 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 don't touch the babe's hickory. I, I just want to rub it for some uh, luck. He went off on Lou Gehrig for touching his bat. The guy was all about me. Again, I saw that footage. He didn't point his fingers. If anything, it was his bat. So I can see Ruth saying that. Yeah, yeah, I did it because I am the babe. Just like he was telling uh, Gehrig, the right field seats are mine. It's a teammate on your team. And he just yelled at you for hitting a home run for your team. And anyone in the park but right field. What's that sound like to you? That right. guy, exactly. He, can see. he just agreed with that to make his image even better, period. I think he saw an alien. <laughs> <laughs> He's pointing toward that saucer, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. Um, I, I guess that's the list of the conspiracies, and some of them true, some of them not. Just going over them. Just... If you have your conspiracy that you like to weigh in on, let us know. Get a hold of us. Well, thanks for listening to the Grand Design Podcast. Once again, I want to tell you, you can find us on and subscribe to us on iTunes, Facebook, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Patreon, um, of course, at the podcastdetroit.com. 
And you can go to our website, grannydesignspodcast.com, for the podcast transcripts and the blog. This is the Granny Designs Podcast. Who are you listening to?